Thank you for tuning into It's Time for the Word podcast with Reverend Dr. John Perry II. On behalf of our senior pastor, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe and download It's Time for the Word podcast from your favorite podcast platforms. Let's listen to today's message. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. I almost feel like I can give the benediction. The Spirit of God has been moving in such a powerful way amongst us. Um, to, our, to our ushers, thank you for your service to us. To our music ministry, thank you so much for leading us into the presence of God. Um, God is doing wonderful and powerful things through our music ministry. I don't know if you can sense the glory that I feel, um, but every time they get up here and they begin to sing and usher us into the presence of God, uh, my spirit just is blessed in tremendous ways. So we pray that God continues to use them in a powerful way. There are wonderful things going on in your church family. Hallelujah. Look at somebody tell them there are wonderful things going on in PGC. Hallelujah. Amen. Our Sunday morning Bible study experience begin to share a new curriculum. Um, the men are on disciplines of a godly man, a godly man, and the women are on disciplines of a godly woman. Um, ask somebody, were you in attendance? Get an answer. Don't just, just don't just don't just ask. Get an answer. If they say no, tell them shame on you. Shame on you. Hallelujah. We, we, that's, that's my humorous way of telling you that you need to be there. Um, there are things that are going on that are intended to bless your soul and to build you up to be the spiritual giant that God desires you to be. Listen, the day of, of looking to your pastor to be everything has to end. You are anointed. You are gifted. God desires to work through your life in powerful and wonderful ways. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't have a pastor and that he's not here to serve you. It's just, it means that you awaken to another level of spiritual awareness that God ain't just trying to use my pastor. That the same way that he uses my man of God, my woman of God, he also can use me if I'm willing to yield and avail myself to be molded and shaped in the way that he wants to mold me and shape me. I mean, so I want to encourage you to take advantage of our Sunday morning experiences. You will be blessed for it. As well, on Wednesday, we have something that I want to introduce you to. It's called Bible study. On, on Wednesday, I, I know that, that you know, it, it sounds like an ancient term to you and that you, don't even, you didn't even know that that was going on in this current day. But we have what you call Bible study. It's an opportunity for you to gather yourself with other believers and walk through the word of God so that you can be shaped, molded, and developed. Um, we are returning to in-person, but we will also have our hybrid experience. As your pastor... I'm trying to encourage you every opportunity you can to gather with community. Um, the biblical mandate is that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves. Um, why? Because in our gathering, there's something that the Spirit of God does um, that you can't experience from looking online. Now, there are, will be moments where you can't make it and you should take advantage of the, the hybrid experience and so if I'm out of town, I'm going to get on the computer and I'm going to look because I want to be a part of what's going on. But if I'm in town, I've, I've got to push my way. Say why? Because worship includes sacrifice. The, the idea of biblical worship has mixed in it sacrifice. In the biblical day, there was no such thing as worship without sacrifice. It is only in this modern context that we've taught a generation that worship means comfort. 
So if it's not comfortable, if it's not convenient, if it's not ideal, if it's not your way, you think, okay, well, I, I'm foregoing that worship experience. But real biblical worship means sacrifice. So yes, I know you, you work. Um, but after you get off of work on Wednesday, come to worship. God will strengthen you, build you up in ways that you can't imagine if you yield yourself to the process. Amen. Um, my last statement before getting to the word of God on today is this. We need you fully committed, not only in your attendance, but we need you fully committed even in your giving. I'm not one of those pastors that spend a lot of time on giving because my philosophy has always been that if your heart is right and you're sincere, you'll give. Yeah. If I say that I really love the Lord, um, the Bible declares this. It says, you can tell where a man's heart is by where his treasure lies. Um, so I don't rob God. You know, people say stuff like, all of those preachers after your money. Well, the weed man after your money. For those of you that we still trying to get delivered from that. Yeah, he, he, he after your money. When you go to the mall, when you go to stores, they're, they're after your money. Okay? Um, as believers, we give unto God with cheerful hearts because we understand that we are a part of this work of building his kingdom and advancing his cause. Um, how many of you can remember being a child and thinking about how things have changed for the worse now that you become an adult? Yeah, darkness is rapidly increasing. And we are a part of the continual work of advancing God's kingdom um, so that we can be the light that God desires us to be. And every time that you give, you help build the ark. Um, you should be trying to leave something for your kids and for your kids' kids and for your kids' kids' kids that will be a ray of hope, light, and righteousness that helps them as they navigate the dark world that we live in. And so our giving goes to advance the kingdom of God, and we want you um, to be an active part of that as partners of PGC. Um, you all receive that? Amen. To God be the glory. Um, if you will, I'm going to ask that you would grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, the second chapter. The book of Acts, second chapter. You don't have to stand. We've read it in our reading. And so we're going to just dive right in and, and jump into the word. Hallelujah. Father, we ask now that you would bless our time together. Father, I pray that you would help me to slow down and to teach your people the things that you have ordained to be taught in this moment. We acknowledge that this moment is not about performance, but it's about your desire to grow us as your people. So have thine way. It's all of these things we pray now in the blessed name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all of God's children said amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk with you all on today from the theme um, fundamentals of a healthy church. I want to talk about um, fundamentals of a healthy church. And I want to be radically different. I want to shift um, from being sermonic. And I want to, want, want to simply teach on today. Um, because one of the things that my heart is very burdened by is that the universal church seems to be going through an identity crisis. Um, and as long as we don't understand who we are, we can be no good to the world in which we've been called to. That's tweetable. It's important that we get our identity right. Now, why am I dealing with that? Because identity will ultimately determine your activity. If you don't have a clear sense of who you are, then it will impair 
and it will cripple how you function. And so one of the things that God wants to do is God wants to make us clear regarding our identity as his church. Here we go. The first part, I need you to catch this. Touch yourself and say, I am the church. So I don't just go to what we call church. I am the church. Okay, and so literally, I am the vessel that God is building and constructing his church with. Each of us are, are bricks, if you will, that God is, is pulling together to form, fashion, and make his present day church. And so the quality of the church can be no greater than the quality of you. Put it on pause. Every complaint the world has had about the church, they were talking about you. Because you are the church. If they said the church is full of hypocrites, they were talking about you. If they were talking about church ain't what it used to be. Church used to be a healthy, vibrant place that we loved going to. But I don't know what's going on with this modern day church. They were talking about you. Because church is not an organization. And I really want you to catch me. The church is a spiritual organism. We are a people who belong to another kingdom. And God has us here to represent the kingdom that we are from, which is his kingdom. Okay, so it's important that we get a clear understanding regarding our identity. And if we're going to get a clear understanding of our identity as the church, we've got to go to the word. Stop looking at worldly organizations as the model of what the church should be. Your job is not the model for the church. Your social organization is not the model for the church. We don't look to the less than to define what is supposed to be the greater than. So we have to look to the word of God because Jesus declared that upon this rock I will build my church. For those of you that are taking notes, that's in Matthew 16 um, verse 18. He's having a conversation um, with his disciple. Um, P um, Peter has just given him the revelation that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says on this rock. I will build my church. It was the rock of the revelation of who he was. And he says, on the rock of those that have the revelation of who I am, I will build or I will construct my church. The church has to be, by, it has to be built by Jesus and Jesus alone. Stop diluting the authority, power, and genius of the church by trying to weave in Worldly organizations and concepts. Jesus got the cover. All right. In the book of Acts chapter 2, it was lifted in your hearing. We find in my estimation one of the most powerful examples of fundamental principles that make up a healthy church. Most theologians agree that when it comes to the book of Acts, um, that the account of Acts is not intended to be a biblical model of um, what the church should be. However, it is a model of the power and the authority that should be operating in a church that is a church that is led by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about a healthy church, a ba basic definition of a healthy church could be defined as a spiritual community that is actively growing in its relationship with Christ and one another. It is a church that maintains a Christ-centered focus and spiritual connection through active commemoration and communication. 
I'm going to say that once again, and we'll keep going through it um, as we break down this definition of a healthy church. Again, a healthy church can be defined as a spiritual community that is actively growing in its relationship with Christ and one another. It is a church that maintains a Christ-centered focus and spiritual connection through its commemoration and active communication. So in the book of Acts, beginning at verse 40 of chapter 2, it declares this, it says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. The text is picking up on the day of Pentecost. Jesus has already ascended unto heaven. He told his disciples to wait till you're endured with the power. They now have had this experience of infilling from the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that they begin to speak in tongues. And the people around them, the Jews that are around them, they are hearing them speak with tongues. And they say, these men are drunk. Until, and, 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 the, and Peter, he responds to their claim that they're drunk. He says, we're not drunk as you suppose. This is that that the prophet Joel spoke of, that your sons and your daughters would prophesy. So he begins to clarify them and help them to understand that they're in a God moment. They are a part of the religious community, but they are missing that this is a God moment. This is a God move. And so God touches the apostle Peter and he begins to address the crowd. He begins to tell them that, that this is a move by Jesus Christ himself, the one you crucified. Yet, despite your persecution, yet, despite all you did to try to kill him, he got up with all power and authority. And he begins to say to them, save yourselves from this evil generation. He pleads with them. Now, I want to stop there because there are some of you um, that, that like using the, the, the lingo um, I'm representing the culture. Save yourself from this evil generation. You're not called to rep the culture. You're called to rep Jesus. So, so he says, save yourself from this, this wretched, evil, corrupt culture. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So the first thing that we see when it comes to the trait of a healthy church is that they are a spiritual community. They are a spiritual community because they have a clear commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listen, being a healthy community doesn't mean that I come to church. Being a healthy community means I'm submitted to Christ. We've got to stop patting ourselves on the back for having our name on the roll. Because what good is it for your name to be on the roll if you're not submitted at his feet? The first thing that Acts is trying to point out to us is that they are a spiritual community. And being a spiritual community means that they have a clear commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm going to say something that's going to rub some of you the wrong way. Because you claim Christianity, but your, your lifestyle really ain't biblical. You want to lock hands with, with people of other religions and saying, come by y'all. 
But Jesus and Jesus alone is the way unto the Father. And if there be any other way, we ain't learned that way. He is telling them about Jesus Christ and the Bible says they accept the message of Jesus the Christ. They receive the message. That receiving there in the Greek means that they gladly accept it. They gladly accepted the message and then secondly they were baptized which means that they were submerged in water. And literally, the baptism is a representation that I have believed in the message to the point that I'm willing to die to my old self and come up anew. I've heard something that has radically changed my perspective, and I'm willing to die to who I formerly was and follow him into this new life. And I'm afraid that we've got to reintroduce the church to Jesus. Because most of us ain't following Jesus. In order to be a healthy community, you have to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and go through your own personal baptism. Die to yourself and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. They are a spiritual community. So it says that about 3,000 are added to the, the group that day. So they are all persons that believe in Jesus. Look at somebody and just do a roll check for, just do a pew check for me. Check your roll. Ask somebody, do you believe in Jesus? I'm not talking about that he was a good man. I'm not talking about that he was one of the great prophets. I'm talking about do you believe that he is the son of God, the Messiah, the king of kings, the great I am, the one who shed his blessed blood on Calvary, and now I've been redeemed. Do you believe in Jesus? They were a spiritual community first and foremost because all of them believed in the lordship of Jesus Christ. We like a Jesus that saves us. We don't want the Jesus that wants to be Lord. <laughs> Lord, save me, Lord. Save, save me, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. L Lord, send me some grace and some mercy. But along with salvation comes the responsibility now of lordship. He is not just Savior. He's Lord. And the early church understood that. Verse 42, they are all submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So watch what happens. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Stop. All of these people have heard the glorious message of Jesus Christ, and there's something that happens in their heart. They say, I believe that message. I wasn't there, I didn't see it, but there's something that, that, that agrees in my heart and spirit. I believe that it is so. I'm going to give and submit my life to him. But they don't stop there just at believing and submitting their life to Jesus. The Bible says now they begin to actively grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way that they're actively growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ is through a clear commitment to a covenant source of divine content. What, what am I saying? Watch this. I've got to learn of Jesus. So there has to be a source that God has anointed to teach me from. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word devote, I love it because what it symbolizes is this. They gave themselves over to the teaching of another. Lord, help our generation. Because we are the generation that believes that um, you can't tell me nothing. I can do the research on my own. 
But watch what the text is helping us to understand. The apostles were ones that had walked with Jesus. And so now that Jesus has ascended and is no longer there in the physical, those that have walked with Jesus now have the position and the posture to be teachers of others that now want to follow Jesus. What is the revelation that the text is trying to help us to understand? There is somebody that has walked with Jesus that God has anointed to teach you. You are not meant to do this on your own. Look at your neighbor, tell him, walk with me. Now, I had you do that because normally when you hear this kind of preaching, you automatically think about the pastor. And yes, your pastor walks with Jesus and has a relationship with Jesus, but there are people that sit on your pew that walk with Jesus. And there has to be the ability to respect the anointing that is on somebody's life because there are things that they have been through and revelations that Jesus has given them that are supposed to empower you. They gave themselves over to the apostles' teaching. Give yourself over. Give yourself over. I'm being intentional right now. Give yourself over. See, when, when we are a religious organization, it's just enough to have participation. So you can show up and never give yourself over. You, you go through the routine of, that's my pastor. But you never give yourself over to the teachings that God has anointed him to communicate through the word of God. Give yourself over. I mean, if it's coming from the word, there's a responsibility on your part to say, I'm going to give myself over to that. Okay, watch it. He, he, he's... They're giving themselves over to the apostles' teachings. It didn't stop there. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. Everybody say that with me, and fellowship. They were not just actively growing in their relationship and knowledge of Jesus Christ. They were actively growing in their relationship with one another. They didn't just come to learn word. Woo, pastor, showing up, giving revelation. I just came to get my word. I ain't come here to deal with these folk. I got enough issue. I don't need to deal with people with issues. No, 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 no. The Bible declares here that they were giving themselves, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, but also they were in relationship fellowship with one another. They have a clear commitment to community. To be a spiritual, a spiritually healthy church, there has to be a commitment to community. I was born early to my mama. My mom had me at like 15 years old. And, and so I was like a community baby. She still had to go through the educational process. And so my grandmama, my aunties, and my uncles, and everyone took a hand in raising me. And so even though I am not all that old, I come from a day where I understand the power and the influence of community. The church cannot be the church if we do not have a commitment to community. Because there is the horizontal relationship that we have with God, but then when we get our relationship with God right, then God says, now get your relationship right with others. The cross that we bear is our commitment to relationship with God and with one another. They were committed to fellowship. 
There was an old deacon once that gave a definition of fellowship. And he said, I define fellowship as all the fellas in the boat together. You may not find it in Webster, but that's a pretty good different definition. Fellowship means that God has orchestrated and put all of us in the boat together. We're traveling through this thing called life together. There has to be a commitment to community. Who do you check on throughout the week? Who in this season has God made your spiritual assignment? I feel a burden on my heart. God has told me to, 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 for this season to be a prayer partner, to be a voice of encouragement to Sister Sugarfoot. And over the next three months, I'm going to be consistently praying for her and calling her and encouraging her. I don't know why, but I know God said it's my assignment. Fellowship brings you into responsibility and accountability. Part of what makes them a spiritual community is that they understand that. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they fellowshipped, watch this, they also broke bread together. They also broke bread together. Theologically here, when it talks about breaking bread, there is, there is some theological disagreement. Some theologians believe that the breaking of bread meant that they simply got together and they ate meals together. Other theologians believe that it is a statement that they, they gathered in one another's home and they went through the communal, communal experience um, themselves to remember and to commemorate. I want to suggest to you that there should be no argument about which it was. It was both. What it is suggesting to us is that the only time I see you should not be on Sunday morning. That when we really learn how to be community, I have a love for you that's greater than Sunday. There's something that makes me think about you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And my love for you is so great that I just can't wait to Sunday. I got to pick up the phone. What you doing? Can I come and hang out with you for the next hour? I got a little free time on my hand. They broke bread together. They ate meals together and they commemorated the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, now why is that so important? Watch why that is so important. When they got together, they were Jesus-focused. They didn't get together outside of church and then start gossiping. They didn't get together outside of church and then start talking about worldly and carnal things. When they got together, the conversation was still Jesus. What are you talking about? I mean, when you have opportunity and occasions to get with other folk in the, in, of the Christian faith outside of church, what's the heart of your conversation? Is it Jesus? Or is it the latest, hottest, hottest gossip? They were healthy community because in church and outside of the gathering of the saints, they were still Jesus-centered. If you don't mind looking at somebody tell them, we got some work to do. Yeah, we. Thank Jesus for grace. 
Okay, so, so watch it. In order to be a healthy community, they displayed for us that there should be spiritual community, a clear commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There should be active growth in our relationship with Christ because we're giving ourselves over to the apostles' doctrine. Also, we should be actively growing in our relationship with one another. In this growth of our relationship with one another, there should be a display of communion. There should be a commemoration of the reason why we do this. When we get together, we keep at the forefront the reason for our gathering. We ain't getting together to have a step show. Our reason for gathering is Jesus. And we keep at the forefront that this is about Jesus. I want to introduce to you a new phrase that I want to give you permission to use. I'm authorizing you right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Anytime a member begins to operate in a way that contradicts the word of God, you ought to tell them that ain't who we are. Hey, hey my, my brother, that, that's not who we are. I mean, he, he see a fine sister come in, woo. Hold up, brother. I, I, I get where you're coming from, but that ain't who we are. Sister starts gossiping about another sister. Hey, I don't mean to be offensive, but that's not who we are. Let's pray about it. If God's revealed the issue to you, then evidently he's banking on you being spiritual enough to pray about it so that strongholds can be broken and change can happen in that individual's life. That's not who we are. Let's pray about it. They kept at the forefront the reason for their being, their new identity, and this fellowship that they had committed to. And they displayed finally, and I'm done, clear divine connection. Do you know that just because we're all in the same room don't mean we connected? I mean, it's possible for all of us to be in the same building and be greatly connected, disconnected. Now, I need you to catch this. Because that's why so many people attend church and they're still alone. If we were to do altar calls across the country of, of church folk and say, do you feel lonely? Are you wrestling with the spirit of loneliness? Altars would feel all over the country. Because being a part of the crowd don't mean you connect. They are a spiritual community that masters being connected because they're for real in their relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Watch it, beginning at verse um, 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All of the believers were together and had Anything in common. They sold their possessions and gave to everyone who had need. And as a result, every day they continued to meet together in the temple court and they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and were glad and with sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people and the Lord added to their number daily those that were saved. Watch it. They were all together. And that together is not just geographical location. They were together in heart. The evidence that they were together in heart is that those that were more blessed than others said, I can sell off some of this stuff so that all of us can be okay. Watch the idea of the spiritual community. No person wanted to be greater than the others. 
Nobody was in the church talking about I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. And you can make it here too if you just do the same. They recognized the need amongst themselves and because they were together. Togetherness made them move with compassion to make sure that everybody was straight. Can we commit to being a healthy church? Can we commit to being the kind of church where if people really need a spiritual family, community, and kingdom system of partnership, they can find it here? I want to suggest to you, I'm done. I want to suggest to you that when Jesus Christ declares to his disciples, and on this rock I will build my church, this is a part of what Jesus had in mind. He said, when you can embrace me as Lord and Savior, I will build something that profounds the world. When you can embrace me as your king of kings, your great redeemer, as the lamb that had to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. He says, once you follow me, I will lead you in the construction of something that will get the attention of the world. No wonder Jesus said, and by your love for one another will they know that you are my disciples. My assignment on today is very simple. Can we give Jesus back his church? I, 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 I really want you to, you, you to catch that. That's a serious question. Can we give Jesus back his church? Can we stop acting like we went to school to be constructors of the Lord's church? I mean, he's the master builder. All he needs you to do is to fall in place where he tells you to fall in place at. He's not trying to take a vote. He's not trying to get you to help him write out the blueprints. He's just trying to get you to submit. And if you'll submit to his lordship, whew, he'll construct the church that gets the attention of the world and that transforms the world for the glory of God. If you don't mind, just touch yourself and say, Father, help me to be a healthy church. You can play right there. I'm done. Help me, Father. Help me. I know that 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 today um, was was kind of in your face. Um, but the world needs us to be who we're really supposed to be. We've got to break away from the idea of the church simply being another organization because God has ordained you to be something so much more. Their talents, their gifts, their abilities that he's placed on the inside of you that are supposed to get the attention of the world for his glory, not your own. We are kingdom citizens stationed here to be ambassadors within this world for his glory. Father, I thank you now for each person that has received your word, Father, and that embraces the mindset and the attitude that they want to be a healthy church. Now, Father, we pray that you would release the wisdom that we desperately need, stand in need of. We confess to you, Father, that 
We don't know the way. We depend upon you to lead us. So, Father, we ask that you would lead us into new dimensions and that you would transform us the more as your holy people. It is all of these things we pray now in the blessed name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Did you all receive that on today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is going to make us a splendid community. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and neither has it entered into the hearts of men. But the Spirit is working and at work to reveal to us a glorious and mighty plan that God has for us as his people. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. Maybe there's someone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If that person is you, I stand echoing the words of the apostle Peter. You can save yourself from this evil and perverse generation. And Jesus Christ is the way. Will there be one under the sound of my voice that says, I'm, I know I need to get my life right. And today I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to invite him in my heart and accept him as the Lord of my life. Will there be one that says, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ on today? Will there be one? Hmm. My second appeal is this. Maybe you're under the sound of my voice and you are looking for a church home. If that person is you, we would be honored if God is leading you to become a part of our community of faith. As a pastor, one of my promises to you is that we will continue to grow to be a community that learns to love you better each day that God gives us the grace of breath. So if you're under the sound of my voice and you've never and you're looking for a church home, if you lift that hand up, we'll gladly receive you. Will there be one that says, I need a church home and God's leading me to become a part of this community of faith? If there are none, if you'll bow with me, Father, I thank you that each person under the sound of my voice knows you through an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we acknowledge that as persons saved by your grace, that we have the responsibility to share of your grace with a lost and dying world. So, Father, use us to share the glorious message that you love the world and that you've provided a way through Jesus Christ for reconnection. It is all of these things we pray in the blessed name of Jesus Christ and all of God's children said amen. Hallelujah. We, on every first Sunday, have set apart the tradition of commemorating the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, at this time, we're preparing ourselves for our communion experience. Hallelujah. As our officers are coming to lead us in this experience, I want to encourage you to just take a moment to consecrate yourself. Bless you, Father. In the church of old, I can remember real vivid. If you ain't been living right, don't partake. Don't play with the Lord's Supper. When the reality is those that were at the table were sinners. So much that while Jesus is sitting there, he says, one of you will betray me on tonight. 
So it was a betrayer at the table. When Peter has a moment of arrogance and says, never me, Jesus says, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. A sinner was at the table. Later, Jesus tells all of them that before, um, that, that before it's all over, the prophecy will come to pass, for it is written that when the shepherd is smited, the sheep will scatter. It was his way of telling them that in the moment of my arrest, all of you will flee. And yet, all of them have a seat at the table. I share that to say, with, say to you that it is not your sin that keeps you from being worthy of partaking. The blood was shed because Jesus knew that you were a sinner. When the word of God talks about taking unworthy, that is for the unbeliever. If you don't believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, if you have not accepted him, then to partake would be to do so at your own detriment. Father, we thank you now for the privilege of this moment of commemoration. We are reminded of the price that you paid so that we could have the privilege of relationship with you. So, Father, we ask now that you would forgive us for our sins. You said that if we would confess them, that you're just to forgive. So we acknowledge, God, right now that we're far from all that we should be. Forgive us. We pray as well that you would consecrate us for this sacred moment and that you would consecrate these elements that represent the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his precious blood. As we partake, we ask that as we partake, these elements would have their rightful place in each of our lives individually as you see fit. Anoint this moment to be one of strength, empowerment, and encouragement. It is all of these things we pray now in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope this message was a blessing and motivation to enjoy your day. We appreciate you listening to It's Time for the Word. Make sure you visit www.pgc-carry.org for more podcasts and Pleasant Grove updates. Be blessed.